0: Okay, welcome, everybody. It is Monday night once again, and we are rocking and rolling. It is the, oh, gosh, it's like the third week of February, and we're almost done with the month. And there's something really cool that happened to, this morning. We got a message that the Freedom Kits are on sale for until it's out of stock. So I'm not sure. I haven't been on the computer for a while if they're still in stock but if they are not out of stock yet, you're going to want to get one and maybe get somebody doesn't want one to get you another one. <laughs> I just want to say that kit has been out of stock for over three years that I know of. It came in stock for a real little blip, and then it went out of stock again for like ever in a day. So just get it. Um, it the, what that kit is for is to help people move through trauma. And um, in, in people that are having issues with sleeping, you know, people that have had things happen in their life that they need help in recovering from, that is what, on the emotional side, that's what that kit is for. And so right now it's very special. You cannot get those oils in singles, so you want to get those in those kits only. So, highly, highly encourage you to do that and be able to get that kit. So, that's my recommendation with that. And then, you know, as we get going, typically is a, um, uh, you you know, typically we have in March a really good month. Um, So, you know, we always think about October, November, December being really good. The month of March seems to be really good. So my point in telling you this is if you've got any low-hanging fruit of people that you are about to enroll or they're getting ready to enroll or you've got a follow-up list, get on that right now and get ready for March and get those presentations booked now for March. People are like, they recovered from January, you know, from the holidays. February is kind of a goofy month. You know, people are just like, okay, what am I doing with my life? And then March comes and cool stuff happens to your business. So everything that you do right now in March, April, and May, mostly March, February, March, April, is what determines what happens to your summer, if you are going to crash the summer or if you're going to have a good summer with your volume and maybe dip a little bit or not or grow. I mean, I've had years where I've grown in the summer, and that means you're really growing. You're going to have an exponential fall. So that is what i got to say on that. Um, The specials, I'm not going to go over them right now because we're towards the end of the month and you kind of know what they are already by now. I really hope really good specials this month and then next week we'll have what's the announcement for March. I can't even believe it, you guys. Like, we're in March. I don't know where you're at in the country, but where we're at right now is tons of snow in Minneapolis and some people have floods and other people have snow where they've never had snow like in the Southwest and so it's been a little kooky, but Pretty soon the weather will break, it'll be beautiful, and we'll be good to go for everything else that we got to do, all those outdoor markets and whatever else you've got plans for traveling and stuff like that. So let me uh, – oh, one of the things before I check the line. Um, Jesse, are you there? I just wanted you to see if I can hear you. Yeah, I'm here, Jen. Okay, perfect. Okay, I'll come back to you in a hot second. Um, so for those of you that want to hear this rebroadcast, because I can tell you one thing, this is going to be a rebroadcast that you are going to want for your team. Uh, This is a huge topic that I've never had anybody talk about on this call. And if you want to share the broadcast, it is on iTunes and SoundCloud, both of them. So SoundCloud, if you have an Android or you go to the computer, you go to SoundCloud.com and search for Diamond Factory. Or you can go to iTunes and search for Diamond Factory and you subscribe to the podcast. Um, so if you've got either one of those apps on your phone, subscribe to the podcast. There are over 200 and, oh my gosh, you've got to be getting almost to 300 at least calls that is the best training system to plug your brand new people in. Just have them get the podcast and just start listening to all the guests and everything that we have to say because everybody has a different perspective on things, which I know is incredibly helpful for people getting started in their business. And, and it helps me too. I'm really excited about this topic today. Because self sabotage is just one of those things that we don't even realize we're doing. Because if we did, we would not do it. <laughs> so I want to tell you, I've got a very special guest on today. Uh, Jesse Brizendine is a coach who works with people on many levels. You know, he I sent through in the um, in the email reminder. Jesse just was invited to do a TED talk. He did that about grief. You're definitely going to watch that, so check your email because I put it out through that way. But he is a zero-limits coach. That's what his program is. And Jesse can help with anything from you getting stuck in your business, not being able to close people, all the way to fear of heights, which he helped me with when I met him in Vegas a couple years ago, to anything that you could imagine because he's just beyond uh, skilled and trained and has the – the personal, I guess you say, insight to really help people help themselves identify what is going on in their life and how to move through that. You know, a good coach helps people discover what's within them and guides them, and Jesse definitely does that. And Jesse, I think you're a very wise person. You've got, like, centuries of wisdom within you that comes out when people work with you or talk with you. You know, it's just incredible to hear those things through you. So thank you so much. For coming on and taking the time out, I know your schedule is in high demand, and uh for you to take time and talk to everybody about this topic is really a blessing, so I really appreciate you coming on so thank you yeah, Jim,
1: thanks for having me on it's always it's always fun to come and talk with your people and and it's 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 always fun to just chat with you too <laughs> yeah, so if we go off in
0: some tangents, people will be just listening like in on a conversation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know, it's very, very possible. So do you have any uh, gaps in my description that you would like to fill in about? Well, I guess the question really is for me to ask you, and I don't think I've ever asked you this, is what set you on this path? I know you were into physical fitness, and weren't you a trainer?
1: To yep, was I was point? a trainer.
0: Yeah. Yep. And then what happened that b- brought you on this path of where you are now with coaching and helping people?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I, I really believe, Jen, that for – I do a lot of work with life purpose and I always tell people that life purpose is found in two places. It's found in our ultimate pain or it's found in our ultimate pleasure. And I was one of those ones that found it through the painful stuff. I had <laughs> two very significant events happen in a short time. My One of my closest friends committed suicide after going through a difficult breakup. And then about six months after he passed, he died, my dad passed away quite suddenly. And my dad was had just gone through a long round of chemo and treatment for colon cancer. And two weeks before he died, he literally had his hand shook from the doctor, looked him in the eye, said, congratulations, Mike, you're cancer-free. You have your whole life in front of you. And then he dropped dead. Wow. when those two events happened, I found myself asking two questions. With my friend, I was wondering, the question was, is what does it take just for someone to get so emotionally to that place that they would take their life? And what would you need to do to get them out of that? And with my dad, he was the classic example of, you know, when I'll do this when it's the perfect time. I'll do this later. I'll take care of it later. You know, because there's always bills that have to be paid. There was always this other stuff that got in the way, that got in the way of living. And so the other question with my dad was, is like, what does it take to compel people to start living now versus living, you know, kind of getting caught up in the day-to-day stuff, living living by the direction of fear, or the, not even the direction, but the, the dictatorship of fear. And it was those two questions that really sat me on the path of trying to discover and uncover what drives humans, what what creates our emotional experience, and, and really what runs this whole game that we call life.
0: Mm, sounds like your dad and my dad were like brothers or something. <laughs> Maybe that's why you and and I get along so well. It could be, you know, because (laughs) my sister and I talk about that. My dad was like that as well. And he, you know, retired when he was 74 and he died at 74, if that tells you anything. And my mom and, you know, we talk about it and we're like, you know, I wish we had done more things and had more experiences. And, you know, he worked and worked and worked and felt that need, you know, like you said, later, 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 and later never comes. And most people in the type of business that we're in with Young Living, I mean, their goal is to get freedom and live their life. But what happens, we even get trapped in the work, you know, I guess you'd say the handcuffs of our business and people, you know, there's these – uh Predisposed notions that you should be working all the time, and the harder you work, the more you make, and you know all that stuff as well yeah so yeah oh my gosh, it's so it's yeah so and,
1: incredible. You know, I, I heard this I heard this statistic one time that's worth mentioning that so you know that, that's the mentality that some of us get caught up in when i when I retire, when this when this when this in the united States statistically the most people die somewhere within three years of their retirement oh wow. And the, the, the hypothesis behind it is is not old age, not all that. It's that what happens is, is that people, when they die, or when they die, when they retire, because they, most people never actually figure out what it is that drives them, what it is. They never really focus on living now. They go through and say later, later, later. But then what happens is when they retire, they take away the driver they had for getting up in the morning and going and doing stuff. And so then they retire and they wake up and they're, okay, now what? And so it takes away this driving force. It literally takes the life force out of life, and that's that's the, the that's the main hypothesis I've heard around it. It's, it's it's shocking if you really think about it like that.
0: Well, it's funny that you say that in that way because my dad was convinced that as soon as he retired, he would die, and that's why he waited till seventy four. Yeah. So he could have retired at sixty five without a doubt because. My dad was an executive, you know. He wasn't like, you know, he, he was, let's say, financially very secure, and that it was his fear that was keeping him working, and um, he he fulfilled his own prophecy, right? Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, it, it totally came true, and that's why my sister and I are like, live in the moment, you know. <laughs> you know <laughs> if it feels good, do it, you know. Yeah. Spend the money. Go to Disneyland
1: boys. now. <laughs> Go to Disneyland now. Don't wait till you win the World Series. <laughs>
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, like, you know, get another pony. I mean, absolutely, you know, just 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 do it that way. And uh I just love that. And you know, um you guys that are um that are listening, if you didn't watch the, the TED talk that you did that Jesse did, um, you can go to the YouTube and go and search Jesse Brisendine, but it's in the email that I sent out for uh, this call, if you got, if you're on the email list, that's a privy of being on a VIP email list. You get the, the things like that, where I just give it to you guys and I put it in there so people could watch. Even though it's about grief, I don't. If I ask everybody to raise their hand, who here has not experienced grief? I'm sure there'd be nobody would have hands up, right? Because everybody <laughs> experienced yeah. grief, you know, from your hamster dying all the way to a loved one, a parent, a spouse, or friend, sister, brother, baby, child, you know, whatever. We've all experienced profound grief. And as you get older, unfortunately, you have more and more grief with that because people are transitioning throughout your life, you know, and how to go through that. And your message is very important on that. I thought it was just very, very powerful. So I'm trying to sharing that, Jen. I forward. appreciate that. Yeah, get them over there. So let's talk about self-sabotage. You know, what, you know, I want to ask you like 500 questions on that because, <laughs> I, I know that it is it's such a loaded question, but you know what's the biggest reason that people start self sabotaging themselves? And no, and then we'll talk about whether they know or not. But we'll get. I mean, this could be like a four hour
1: call, but it won't be. Yeah. Guys, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I love that question. And what I what I'll suggest to everyone is listening is this. Is normally I tell people to take notes, but what I would encourage you to do as I go through this, and even if you can't do it right now, maybe you can do it later, We watch the replay and it would really be powerful for you to do this, is to listen to what I'm about to say but have a mirror in front of you when you do it. So if you have the opportunity right now, grab a mirror, go and stand in front of the mirror, whatever the case may be, or if you don't, go to the mirror afterwards and listen to this. So I operate from the, the basic principle that every single human being on this planet, you, me, every single one of us on this call, all of us, we're born with this basically unlimited potential to live absolutely extraordinary, great, whatever the adjective is, life. And extraordinary and great is unique to each of us. So what extraordinary and great life for me might be different for you, might be different for everyone else. You know, I... I I love seeing all your horse pictures, but I wouldn't know much of what to do with a horse other than go up and say, oh, (laughs) hey, horsey, how cute, you know. (laughs) Right? uh, right? So it's unique to each of us. And so the number one reason why people self-sabotage themselves is because what happens when we self-sabotage, and so I should, before I say that, let me back up. We're born with all this potential, but then through life, through conditioning, we start to learn how to settle for less. We start to learn how to, we start to learn how to, put our needs on the back burner we start to learn how to prioritize other people and other things we start to learn in that maybe that we're not as significant or we're not as important it might be the first time we learn it is when we're infants we're crying and we, we get food and then one day we go to ask for food all of a sudden though we've grown up and we're four years old and they say no you have to wait your turn well right then in that moment all of a sudden we start to learn wait a minute my needs aren't as important as i thought they were i have to wait my turn and so we start to go through life and we start to learn how to put ourselves back, put our, backburn, our dreams on the back burner, whatever the case may be, is because we're constantly told no, 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 or maybe you're not enough or you're not good enough or whatever it might be. Where, where Maybe we find ourselves in relationships where our partners don't support us. They think that our dreams are silly or stupid, and so we start to learn not to dream. Mm. And so why do we self-sabotage? The number one reason why we self-sabotage is because if we, if we self If we were to actually succeed, then we'd have to go in front of the mirror and confront the person looking back at us and acknowledge the greatness that's inside of us that many of us have learned to bury and dismiss through conditioning, Mm. through learned behavior, whatever it is. And so the reason I said watch this and listen to this in front of a mirror is because look at that person that you see looking back at you and just ask yourself, or better yet, ask that person who's in the mirror Ask them, what's, great, what's a great and extraordinary life for them? And then ask them, when did they start settling for less than that? Somewhere yeah. along the journey, somewhere along the road, almost all of us learned it in one way, shape, or form, in one aspect or a multitude of aspects of our life. Jen was saying that I, I handle and work with a lot of different people in a lot of different areas because it all comes down to psychology at the end of the day. It all comes down to mental and emotional, or mental and emotional conditioning or mental and emotional programming. And so we self-sabotage because if we self-sabotage, then we never have to confront the person in the mirror. And the person in the Mm -hmm. mirror, deep down inside that, the person that we see beyond our eyes, the person we see beyond our skin, but the person that we see, if we peer into those eyes and we look into their soul, is the person who we have the potential to become. Mm. And so if we don't want to confront that person, we just go to self-sabotage because then we never have to make eye contact. Ooh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yowza. I think some people right now are like, ooh, they're clenching their butt cheeks a little bit you know, after
1: that one. And it, yeah, and if you're clenching ahead. your butt cheeks, that's good. That's good. <laughs> it should feel like a gut punch. It should feel like a butt cheek clench because that that's truth. hmm That's truth. Mm-hmm. That's that person no, inside of you saying – yeah, go ahead.
0: No. I, well, so I didn't mean to cut you off there because it's, I've seen people – in their businesses and in life they they rock, they rock, they rock. And then like all of a sudden something happens and it's almost like they purposefully sabotage what they were doing. And it's like, just keep doing what you're doing. Just keep doing what you're doing. Like don't change anything. You're, you're rocking it, man. You're just jamming. And then they like, they do something that you're like, why did you do that? It makes no sense. Yeah you know, oh, and it's painful. I mean, I've even
1: done it, you know, I mean, I'm not without doubt, you know. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, Jen, that's the, that's the, that's not even necessarily the person consciously doing it. It's the voice of the ex-husband who told them that they would never amount to anything. It's the Mm -hmm. voice of a, of mom who said that, you know, people in this family never grow up to do da-da-da. It's the, voice of the teacher who told them one day that when they turned in their book report that they spent all their time working on, told them this was the biggest piece of garbage they ever saw. Mm. It's their voice, but it's the voice that's influenced by someone else. And it's the voice that they've taken on and made it their own.
0: Mm. Yes. And, you know, even when you're, as you get older, you don't even remember that teacher that said that this was a big pile of garbage, most likely. yeah, But it was all that. Accumulation, correct?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. There's a mm. there's a great story, great story that we're sharing real quick. That's a perfect example of this. So there was a lady who, who she was a really talented writer, loved writing, wanted to go into journalism, all these types of things, and she got a full ride scholarship to Harvard to go into like journalism major or whatever it was. And she was in her freshman writing class, and she turned in this report. She was really excited. It was one of her first big reports she turned in. And when she got it back, there was an F written on it. And she'd never gotten an F in her life. You know, she'd been in journalism. She'd done newspaper, all those stuff in high school. She had this full rights scholarship at Harvard. So she goes to the professor's office hours afterwards. Knocks on his door, walks in, just says, you know, Mr. So-and-so, I just need to ask, like, what, I don't understand, what did I do wrong? I thought I followed assignment. He looks her in the eye and says, this is the biggest piece of garbage I've ever seen in my life. Oh, wow. And he goes, I don't know how you got in here, but you have no business being in this department. She's flabbergasted. and She she starts to kind of cry. And she goes, well, I, I can't have an F. I F. My family can't pay for me to go here. I need the scholarship. And he says, well, I'll tell you what, I'll make you a deal. If you agree to never write again, I will give you a B so that you can keep your scholarship. So she says, okay. <laughs> so 13 years go by. And she's somewhere like San Antonio, Texas or something like that. And there is a commercial or I can't remember exactly what it was that's being filmed there. And she sees that there's, there's some writers there and they're all sitting around this cafe having lunch. And she's working at the cafe. So she goes up to him and says, you know, I just want to tell you, I really admire you that you're a writer. She said, my whole life all I ever wanted to do was write, but I, I never did. And one of them looks up and looks at her and says, Bullshit. She goes, excuse me? And he says, bullshit. If you, if you really were a writer and you really wanted to write, you would write. And she says, no, 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 you don't understand. I have not a good authority that I can't write. And she said, well, who's?" he says, whose authority? He says, well, this Harvard professor told me 13 years ago that I wrote The Biggest Bunch of Garbage and told me I can never write again. He said, tell you what, I'll make you a deal. You send me something that you've written, and if it's good, I'll, and he said, I'll look it over. And if it's good, I'll pass it on to my agent. She said, really? And he said, yeah. So she goes home and starts writing, 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 and typing up, like, you know, fingers don't leave. And this is back in the, this was before Word or anything like that. So she's typing it up on a, on a typewriter. She gets done, and she's shaking because she just can't believe what she's created. She sends it off to him, doesn't hear anything from him for a few weeks, a couple months goes by, and she's thinking she was stupid, you know, that professor was right. All of a sudden, she gets a call out of the blue from this him. He's so excited on the other end, he can barely contain himself. He said, you wrote this? And she said, yeah. He said, this is the most amazing thing I've already sent it off to my agent. My agent's going to call you. A week later, the agent calls and says, this is extraordinary. I'm passing it on to producers. Long story short, it ends up getting optioned for a movie. They turn it into hmm. a movie. The, movie. the movie was Romance in the Stone, which came out in the 80s with Michael Douglas and I think yes. Kathleen yes. Turner yes. Right? Yep. and Jewel the Nile. That was the first book she had written after 13 years was Romance in the Stone. So here's a lady who had this huge potential, but there was a voice, somebody else that told her she couldn't. And for the next 13 years, we got robbed of her greatness. Because for the next 13 years, she sabotaged herself over and over again because of his voice and never achieved what she was capable of.
0: Wow. Wow. Well, well, in those situations then, because we, you know, if, if anybody, I mean, oh, I got so many questions. So how do we even start <laughs> becoming like self-aware enough to realize what's happening? Like, how do we? How can we pull ourselves out of a little bit to say, oh yeah, maybe I am doing that thing, and oh, that thing I did last week is that maybe I was, I, you know, you know, I, I I was sabotaging myself. Maybe what what do you, what would you say? How do we start idea, identifying yeah. the
1: stuff? So a lot of times the story we tell ourselves is. is I can't
0: because, right? Mm. This
1: sort of starts something mm. like that. I can't because, and then we start listing all those things. And when we say I can't because, what it does, what we're basically telling ourselves is we're saying, I'm powerless to do anything to change because of this. And we start to list off all these reasons. And we'll say that we're powerless to break, push, or we're powerless to whatever that is. All of us have had moments in our life where that wasn't true. Easiest example I'll use with people, and you know, I think since we, we already talked about butt, butt cheeks clenching, this will be appropriate for here. A lot of times we'll say that I can't because whatever. If we were to learn in those moments of can't because to so approach life or approach whatever the problem is with the same determination that we have when we have to pee, when we really have to pee, when you have to go so bad and there's a long line at the bathroom, whatever it is, and all of us have had moments like that. When we're driving home, we have to go. We can't wait to get back. We don't know if we're going to make it. And I use that as an example because in that moment when we have to go that bad, there is nothing that's going to stop us from reaching our goal. There's nothing. It doesn't matter if there's a little lady crossing the street. doesn't matter. Whatever it is, we are going to make it to that goal. And how does, that, how does that relate? Well, how does having to go to the bathroom relate to that? It's the same kind of thing. We're motivated. We're highly motivated at that time. There's nothing that's going to stop us from achieving that goal. There's mm-hmm. no I can't because. It doesn't exist. Thought doesn't even enter into our mind because we're solely focused. We're laser focused on one thing and one thing only, and that's that. See, to succeed, to accomplish whatever it is we're after, it's, it's wired into our biology. We just don't necessarily associate the things like that as the same. What we do is we use these I can't becauses, and then we make it the blanket experience of our entire life. We say that all 1,440 minutes of each and every day is I can't because. But it's Mm -hmm. not true. Because there's moments in those days where we actually are, we just aren't consciously aware of it. Hmm. So stepping
0: back and thinking to ourselves every time we've said that, even in the last week with somebody, either, something that we either want to do and we say that to ourselves or someone says, what about this? And you say, I can't because that might be a really good place to start, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah.
1: And then if you catch yourself saying I can't because, just change the, change the statement a little bit and say, I choose not to. And just sit with how that feels. Mm-hmm. It's going to feel completely different. See, when we say I can't because, it's almost like it allows us to sleep all right at night because we're saying that it's beyond our control. It's beyond our power. So we don't have to deal with anything. It's easy to make an excuse. It's easy to justify. It's easy to reach out to you and say, well, Jen, you know, I would love to push the specials out there, but I can't because of this. I wonder how many times you've heard that. Yep. But. I can't I can't
0: go there because of this. I can't, I can't do that yeah. because of this. I can't start my business because of that. I mean, there's yeah. always, yeah, all it's the time,
1: fun. all the time. But what if you just mm. said, I chose not to, I choose not to. Now, all of a sudden, mm-hmm. it's, you know, if you don't want to, that's fine. It's a choice. But you're owning the choice instead of pushing off the responsibility to someone else. Instead of pushing it off, instead of creating a reason, creating an excuse, creating a justification about why you can't. This isn't to say or to devalue your can't because. I'm sure a lot of us have a lot of very powerful and valid I can't because. But recognize that you're not powerless to do anything. If you really chose to or you chose not to, you could find a way. Just the same as when you're highly motivated to get to the bathroom, when you've got to go really bad, you're going to figure out a way no matter what. <laughs> yeah. And the closer you get to the bathroom, the more urgent it gets. A hundred percent, which is kind of like any other goal in our life, right? The more closer we get to reaching a goal, the more urgent it gets. the more nervous we get, the more uncertain we get about it, the more it feels unfamiliar, the more the ground feels shaky, and the more we start to think, gosh, can I do this? Can I do this? But the relief is at the other end. The relief isn't when you actually get there. The relief is after you actually go through it. Oh, So
0: are procrastination and hesitation types of self-sabotage too?
1: Yeah, I would say, I would say procrastination more than hesitation. When I hear hesitation and, and just a note about language too, language is really interesting because it's really in the, in the eye of the beholder. So how I, how I view hesitation, how I view procrastination may be different than how you view it or how whoever else views it. So when I hear hesitation, I think, okay, I need to take this leap. I'm, I am I want to take this leap and I'm getting ready to take a leap, but I'm, gonna, I'm just going to make sure, I'm going to check the wind really quick and make sure the wind's not blowing against me
0: mm-hmm. because I
1: recognize that the wind's going back and forth. And so I'm still committed to taking the leap, but what I want to do is I wanna stack everything in my favor and I know that every five minutes, the wind direction changes. So I'm just gonna hesitate a moment to make sure the wind's got my back. So that way it's propelling me forward instead of me jumping against it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. When I I hear procrastination, that would be much more of a self-sabotage because what we're basically saying and when we procrastinate, when we're procrastinating on working on what we really need to work on, what we know in our hearts we should be working on, especially if it's like growing their business because our business is going to provide us the flexibility, the freedom to go travel with our family, to go do all these cool things. What we're telling ourselves in those moments of choice, of procrastination is we're telling ourselves that which I really want is not that important or not that significant. Or mm. I don't believe in myself enough that I can actually achieve that. So what I'll do instead is I'll go over and procrastinate and do something that gives me an immediate pleasure hit. So I don't have to sit with the pain and the discomfort, the uncomfortable feeling of feeling like I can't achieve that or feeling like that which I really want isn't significant enough for me to focus on it and go after it. Which there go come the excuses later on. Well, I would have gotten a dungeon gin. I would have gone after the specials, but you don't realize my whole day got filled. I didn't have enough time. do oh, we not have enough time? Yeah. Do we have 30 minutes a day that we were procrastinating?
0: You know, I know people that I've known for decades more than one decade, you know, up to 15 years that have some and procrastinated. And, and in the course of 10 years, 15 years, every time there there's an opportunity or we have a discussion of coaching, there's always drama and stuff going on that prevents them for, from getting going or even doing anything. It's like, what would you say to you know, this? I guess kind of in a similar neighborhood as this, I, maybe you can help me out with that, but it's like mm-hmm. every time you talk to them, there's something stopping them from growing, appearing to stop them. I'll put it that way. <laughs> you yep. know, yep. It, it, it's like one of those things where you're like, you know, what, where, hold on, I got to this is weird. So it's one of those things that you have like, um, you know, and it's like big things. Like there's always like a family crisis, or somebody died, or the house burned down, or you know something like that. And you're like, how could that possibly be for like ten years? They're they're always in crisis like that. Yeah. Um, is that is that almost like a protection around oneself, or what? Help me with that, because
1: I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna throw something out there that it's gonna sound maybe insensitive, controversial. It definitely doesn't have that intention. But what the intention is to do is to make you stop and think. And that is that suffering, prolonged suffering, is selfish. And Mm. what I mean by that is prolonged suffering is self-imposed because what we do when we suffer for an extended period of time is we're focusing on the world producing some sort of result that we didn't expect. So we go through life and we have this expectation that life is going to turn out this way. If I go to school and get good grades, I'm going to get a great job. If I do this... If I'm a nice person, I'm gonna get a nice marriage. If, I'm a, if I work hard, I'm gonna make a million dollars because that's just how life is supposed to be. But then all of a sudden, something happens. You know, We go through life assuming that, your dad's a great example, right? So he works his whole life, he, he thinks that, okay, I'm gonna be able to retire, maybe I'm gonna be able to enjoy it. Oh, it doesn't happen, my dad's a great example. I'm going to go through mm-hmm. and I'm going to do chemo. I'm going to do, I'm going to do everything I'm supposed to do, the surgery, to increase my chances, to maximize my chances to live the rest of my life. My dad was young when he got diagnosed with cancer. He's 55. Wow. And then he gets there. He hits that milestone, goes in, literally shakes the hand with the, of the doctor, looks at the doctor and then I says, congratulations, Mike, you're cancer-free. My dad's so excited. He calls me on my birthday to say, I got some great news. doctor said, I did it. I'm completely cancer-free. I have my whole life in front of me. Two weeks later, he drops dead. two weeks later. So there's this expectation my dad had, your dad had, right? That they put in the time and now life is going to unfold how it's supposed to. But life doesn't always have the same itinerary, the same agenda that we all have for life. And so when we suffer for a prolonged period of time, the suffering happens because we're looking at how we thought life was supposed to turn out and it doesn't turn out that way. So we end up in crisis mode not because we're constantly we're – not because we're constantly fixated on what happened, because what happened is what happened. It happened. It's in the past. What we're fixated on is how life didn't produce the results that we thought we were entitled to.
0: Hmm.
1: I thought I was entitled to my dad being around for however many years because he did the work on cancer. You may have been thought that you were entitled to having your dad around because he put in 73-plus years of hard work and he was going to have it. Your dad, my dad, we both, they entitled, thought they might have been entitled to more life because of the time they put in. Mm-hmm. Life doesn't always work out that way. And so we find ourselves in crisis. We find ourselves st- suffering for so long because we're so fixated on the expectation we had about how life was supposed to turn out. And then life didn't produce that expectation for us.
0: Ooh, heavy. <laughs> it's heavy. But this is real. I mean, this is really real. I mean, this, you guys, this is what's holding us back. You know, we often 100%. think, okay, Jesse, you know, this company is awesome and you need the products and, you know, th- and then we get a no or we, you know, we, we end at that point and people say, well, this doesn't work when, when really it's all this junk behind it that is is creating you know you know oh yeah I mean I I can see that and and so how do we begin I mean obviously helping identify the patterns and say oh my goodness you know I I, you know people I can tell I I can just feel through the ether that people are starting to like connect some things in their mind what do you do now like okay I got some like I'm identifying some stuff but what do I do with that?
1: Yeah, so that's an awesome question. Is There's a few things we can do. Number one, honesty is really the best policy. So if you haven't gotten the mirror out already, get the mirror out <laughs> and look, your, look yourself in the eye <laughs> and have that honest conversation with yourself. That honest conversation is not I can't because. That honest conversation is I can because. The honest conversation is, is if you're not, it's I choose not to, not I can't because. Number two is, just, let's, just, let's just play, I love to play devil's advocate. So for, you know, what's the expression for shits and giggles, and I hope everybody does, it's okay I say the S word. You know, for, for, for just for the sake of it, let's just pretend you could. Let's just pretend you could. Okay, there's no harm in make playing make-believe. All of us grew up playing make-believe in some way, shape, or form. Any of you who have kids or grandkids, you've probably played make-believe with them. And in make-believe, it's completely safe. So let's just play make-believe with your business for a second. And let's just say play make-believe and say that you really could do it. You really can accomplish any goal that you set for yourself. You really can grow your business to all the things you say. You really can get to the level that Jen says that you can get to. Let's just play make-believe. And in make-believe land that you can do that, what is one thing, what is one thing, just one thing that you could do today that would move you towards that? something that you normally wouldn't do in quote-unquote reality because in the reality you, you operate from the I can't because. But in make-believe mm-hmm. land, what would you? What would you do? Would it be maybe be maybe make another call? Would it be when somebody tells you no instead of hearing no and saying no, you hear next opportunity? Would it be that when, you hear, when you're in make-believe land, would you maybe make that one follow-up call to so that person that while it seemed like they weren't, it wasn't the right time, in your gut you felt like they were the one who really needed it? And instead of just listening for the no because you go in there expecting them to tell no, you listen for the why behind their no and you connect with the human being and you say, my God, this is a human being that's going through a human experience. I can relate to them now and maybe I can relate to them and through empathizing with them, I'm going to be able to tell them how these products helped change my life. See, in Make a Leave Mm Plan, it's a very safe place to explore it. And so just what would be that one step you could take? What would be that one step you can take? And then the third piece of that, I would say, is you've got to get some sort of external support, coaching, get somebody else around you who is going to be an unbiased opinion, who's really there to help you. You know, all great athletes, whether they're Olympians, professional sports, whatever it is, they all have a coach for a certain reason. And if you really look at mastering the game of life at a high level, You're the athlete of your life, and so get somebody around you, a coach, a mentor, someone who can help you see past that and help you work through the mental and emotional obstacles because really our two greatest assets we have are the thoughts we think and the feelings we feel, and our two greatest obstacles to success are the thoughts we think and the feelings we feel. And so we can either go through life with these two awesome forces working against each other, or imagine living life where they're working in harmony and together. Ooh, that's where it's magic.
0: Mm. Wow, that's huge. And I do, I'm, I'm going to back you up on the coaching yeah. thing. I mean, you know, I, it's so funny because I, I teach people how to run Facebook ads and I've noticed a trend lately that younger people, like under 35, and, and, and if anybody here listening is under 35, don't take this the wrong way, but I find that they're doing this stuff and they're struggling and they're trying to figure it out and they're, you know, they're, they're just, they're trying to like pioneer through the forest with a machete on their own. And then then when I talk to, and this is like talking to hundreds of people and finding this pattern, is that I find that a little bit older population they're really open to coaching because they're like, I don't have time to be messing around anymore. I don't want to be struggling and falling my face for five years, trying to figure out something or do something. And then, you know, like the advice to the younger people is be like, just get a coach. I mean, I was that way. I didn't hire my first coach until I was like 36 or 37 or somewhere in there. Yep. And I'm like, why did I wait so long? Now I got like five coaches that I do different things with, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I've got like coach, coachitis, you know, I got a writing coach and a marketing coach and, you know, my friends are coaches, you know, and, and you've helped yep. me do things. And it's like, you know, it's yep. like, you get like, you get all this support, but I mean, you, and I both know that, I mean, and you, with the practice, I, I I've called it your practice, but you're, you know, what you do in your business, you, um, you can see people like that have been struggling with things for, maybe a year, maybe 10 years, maybe 30, 40 years. And then in a short time, they can break through and, and, and then it's done. Like they can, you know, they're, they they yeah. can let go of this stuff. It's not as easy as, oh, just forget about that thing that happened to you or just forget about, or just do it, just do it, Jesse. Just get out there and talk to people. And you're like, I can't. And you don't know why. And yeah. you need someone to help you with that. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: so Oh, so
1: true yeah i it, love it's, that it's so much more like i hate it when it's just you know the just do it thing it's it's so much more than that it's i mean but it is you're absolutely right jen it's like there's there's this long frustrating way where we're just banging our head against the wall over and over again where i love that image that you said trying to carve our way through the forest with a machete or it's, it's it's getting a guide to help you through the forest you know you mentioned at the beginning when we first met and helping with the heights in vegas how long had you been struggling with heights? And then we worked together for, what, like 40 minutes? And then next thing you know, you're up at the top of the aria looking out, pressing your face yep. against the window going, wow. <laughs> right? Yeah, yes,
0: absolutely. And, and, I, and, and it sure, just
1: verifies. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, and I'm sure there was a lot of people before that telling you, oh, Jen, just do it. Just go. You'll get over it. You're fine. It, but it wasn't that because everything neurologically for you had been trained now up to that point to have this fear response of it. And so when you went into it and you had that emotional, physiological response that was a real response, there wasn't. So what we had to do is we had to break through and break down the programming that went into it and then reprogram it in a different way. And so we had those, you know, those silly little exercises that we did together, but they were effective. And then you'll recall this too is we were sitting there and then you could see the moment that it shifted for you. And then uh, Monty was sitting there too. And I said, you saw it too. And he's like yeah, 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 I saw it. And then we're, okay, go up to the top. You're fine. But it wasn't until it clicked because we had to go through and break down the break down the conditioning, break down the the learned response to it, and then we could train in a new response. And then when you went up there, it was like, you know, almost probably like this out of body experience for you, right? Because for a long time you had been told or you had felt that you're supposed to have this response, and all of a sudden you're not having the response anymore.
0: And, and what would you say, too? It's like, does this ever happened? You know, if somebody comes to you and says, yeah, Jesse, I want to work on this thing. I can't break through it, blah, blah, blah. And then you break through it with them, and then they have a great thing, you know, like, oh, my gosh, now I'm moving forward. Do they ever talk themselves back into that thing that they broke through creating a
1: problem again? Yeah, that's an awesome question. And so I'd say is we, we always have free will. We always have free choice. And so what might happen is, is for example let's say that let's say that somebody comes and they have a they're having we'll do a business example let's say somebody comes and they they're really struggling with with doing some sort of uh, presentation with products and so they and what they come specifically with is they struggle with doing presentation with products to a group and sure. they have this fear, they're afraid of being judged, all these types of things, right? Well, we can work through that and all of a sudden they go up and they're, they're just an awesome presenter, they're doing great. And then what might happen after that is now as it happens and we start to become more successful, we usually, and we start to go up the ladder, we find ourselves presenting with different groups, different clientele, different people that we might not have before. And so before the, let's just say that they had gotten really comfortable with presenting in front of their peers, but now all of a sudden, they're presenting with maybe a group that might be intimidating to them. Let's say it's a group of doctors. I'll use that as an example because I just got invited to to speak with this on the, to this panel of doctors on living a living a balanced life. And so here's this group that we stereotype as being highly educated, super smart, right? Uh, for most of us, they're they're kind of we're kind of taught that they're a they're a level above us in terms of how they think, feel, and act. So yep. Now they go into it and they think, oh, shit, I'm not prepared to talk to these people because they're so much smarter than me. Now, externally, we look at them and say, well, wait a minute. How is that possible? You've gotten so good at presenting to groups. You're just presenting to a group. You're an expert on this. It's not the same thing for them. It's not the same thing, even though it seems that because what they worked through is they work through doing and presenting and presenting to groups. But it wasn't just any group. It was groups of peers, groups that they had, they had some sort of connection with. But in their mind, they're associating the doctors or whoever it is as being a different kind of group, a different kind of caliber of people, different kind of questions. And so now what they're doing is they're, a, because it's different, they're having that response again. And it's not the same thing, though. We, externally, we look at it and say, well, it's a group. It's a person who's presenting. It's the same thing. No, it's not. There's subtle differences in it and how they emotionally experience or associate to it. And that's why they go back to do it. So it's kind of a yes and no to your question. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, yeah, it totally does. And and how, okay, so now, like, of course, as always, you know, like, we're talking about this, and we're, inter, you know, we're introspecting a little bit, but we always have in the back of our mind, and I'm sure there's people here doing it, too. Well, what about people in their teams that they know, or they, or, they, or you know, like myself, or anybody listening, they've got people in their teams that they're just blatantly they can identify some self-sabotaging behavior or things coming up. What's the best approach to do with that, Um, to, to talk to somebody else about maybe looking at this in their life without like being accusatory or having them shut down or something like that, keep them open?
1: Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So, what we don't want to do is we don't want to come up to him and do what Jim was just saying is like he accusatory or anything like that and say, Hey, you're really stuck in it right now and you need to get your you know, your know what together or whatever. Which is a lot of times what we've we've all heard at some point in our life. What's a more effective approach to that, and and I'm when I say more effective, that doesn't even, that's not even the right word. Light year light year is a more effective approach is to, come to is to meet with that person and, and connect with them about why they got into this in the first place. Now, what you don't want to do is you don't want to sell yourself and them short by as soon as they say, well, I got into this because I wanted to learn a little extra money and say, oh, okay, that's a good enough reason. You want to find the reason that's a deeply emotional reason for them. What's the driver that we call it of the behavior? What's driving the behavior? A driver is what compels somebody to act whether they're afraid or not afraid, there's going to be some sort of driver that we all have. So easy example for this is for many of you on here who are moms, or even if you're not a mom, you could be a cat mom, a, a horse mom, whatever it might be. Now, there might be a reasonable, if I were to tell you, you know, would you, would you walk out in the middle of traffic just because? Most of you, I hope, would say no. But let's just say hypothetically that your child was out there you know, furry child, whatever it is. In that scenario, would you walk out in the middle of traffic to try to save your child? 100% likely, yes, right? Now, what changed? The traffic was still there, but what we changed is we changed the emotional driver to it. See, there was something there that would compel you to take action that would be beyond what you might consider reasonable. So when you're coaching the people on your team who are struggling, who, are, who seem to be self-sabotaging, you want to try to find the emotional driver for them. What is it that's going to compel them to take action? What is it that got them into the business in the first place? It's not going to just be to make a little extra money. There's going to be a reason why they want to make a little extra money. There's going to be an image in their mind. There's going to be something in their heart that that little extra money is going to help them do. Maybe it's going to be help them pay for their parents' end-of-life care. Maybe it's going to be to help make sure their kid's the first kid to graduate college in the family. Maybe it's to finally go on that honeymoon that her their, their the, the couple has been delaying for so long, whatever it is. Mm. And see, when we're emotionally associated to that, we'll jump out into traffic. We will do the things that we never thought we would. We can immediately stop self-sabotaging because now there's something in driving us to stop self-sabotaging. Because when we're sabotaging in the moment, the driving force of human behavior in any given moment we are doing things either avoid pain or gain pleasure. We self-sabotage because the actions that we need to take seem more painful than the alternative, which is something that's immediately pleasurable in the moment. We won't Mm. jump out in the traffic because it seems painful. Staying where we are is pleasurable. But we will when there's something out there that compels us to, because the idea of life without that is much more painful than anything else. And so we will act then in that situation.
0: I hope you guys just heard that and you took good notes on that. <laughs> it's like remembering why you're doing this, you know, or what the alternative, you know, the option is, you know, when when I was building this business, when I first started, I wanted out of corporate so bad. It literally gave me ulcers at some point in my life. You know, I was in my twenties and that pain. I mean, that's how I despise corporate and I would do anything to get out of corporate, but I thought it corporate was like a a life sentence until I was old enough to retire. And, and this, you know, type of business came across my path. And I was like, I am going all out. And and I there were you guys, there was no training back then there were no books, there was nothing. But like you said, Jesse is, I figured out a way because literally, I felt my life depended on it. I didn't have yep. any system. I had nobody mentoring me. I'm had I i just I'm like, I just need to find people. I need to tell them, and I need to get them ordering products, and I need to show people how to do that too. I mean, that was literally yep. what I did. <laughs> there was no, yep. oh, what if they say no? Oh, my gosh, the Internet is bad. <laughs> they have no website. We used to have a fax system, which we used to call in to find out what our volume was back then. We didn't even have the Internet. And so – like you said, there's a will. If there's a will, there's a way. If there's a will, especially with pain behind it, there's definitely yep. a way, you know, to do that. And so, oh. hey, do you know, remember the the last time you came on, you didn't you have like a happiness report or something like that? Do you still have that? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, I ha- do. Where yeah, is I that? Consider- is that on your website?
1: Um, You know, I don't know, but I'll send it to you if you want to share it. I'll send it over to you.
0: Okay, yeah, because I know that there's going to be people here that are going to want to maybe work with you or talk to you about, you know, if you could help them because I firmly believe that it's much easier to do something with the help of somebody than it is to like figure it out on your own. I mean, if if 100%. this is the truth, like if if self-help books worked, everybody could go spend $15 and everybody would be happy and succeeding their dreams. If books worked like that. And I'm a book reader, right? right? But, but if I can, if I could really get to the root of my junk and just by buying a book or watching a free YouTube video, the world should be a happy place of just like rainbows and lollipops, which we know it is not right now. (laughs) You know, so, you know, having somebody to work with, us, you know, and people are going to feel, are they? You know, if they resonate with you, they might want to talk to you or see what, you know, what you do to possibly help them. Um, I'll definitely get the report out, and I'll I'll do it through the email uh, where people can get that. But what's the best way to get you? Is it through your website or what? How would we guide people on that?
1: Yeah, through the through through my website, and then um, what I'd also I could also do, Jen, is if anybody's interested, I could hook them up with a a strategy session with me or something like that. Um, but through my website, yeah, it's just Jesse Jesse dot com. Through email Jesse at Jesse dot com. Facebook Jesse Instagram, Jesse it's all it's all Jesse <laughs> You're
0: so consistent. And J E S S E is it B R I S E I'm trying yeah. to spell E-N- it out and D I N E.
1: Yeah, it's a mouthful. Prison and dine
0: it's only three syllables though it's a lot of words a lot of letters in that one um but you know you guys you can always search him as a mutual friend of mine and and find that but yeah you're it's easy to find you in, in even through the ted talk and if, if you're listening to this recording uh through the podcast we'll put jesse's website in the description so you can always find it that way as well So it'll be easy you know to to, to do that then they can get a hold of you and and like you said do a strategy session that's probably the best way and the strategy sessions are like discovery calls you know what's going on can i help you you know all all those types of things
1: correct yeah people for people the for the folks who are really wanting to dive deeper into this that would be the best way to go about it is doing a strategy session yeah it, it's a discovery call we're going to kind of we're going to do a deep dive into you what's going on and really assess if if yeah if you know, doing coaching with me would be a benefit to you, which, so if it's something that you really resonate with me, I you know, I'm not everyone's cup of tea. Sometimes I have too weird of sayings or I say swear words or whatever too much, <laughs> which I don't really believe they're swear words. I, I think they're words of expression. The only bad word I think that we really have is words like I can't. That's, mm-hmm. that to me is swearing. Otherwise the other words are just words of expression. We're articulating points enthusiastically. <laughs>
0: I know if most people heard me talk off this phone call, they wouldn't believe it was me because I am very yeah, powerful right. in my language. <laughs> yeah. It's like, is that a trucker? Is that James Springer? You know, <laughs> kind of shocking sometimes for some people. They're like, "What?" You know, even my horses swear. You know, they they cut. Uh, it's funny, but you know, um, do you have any last thoughts for everybody here on this? topic or anything that's on your heart really that you would love to like shout from the rooftops that you think could really help people um you know in their life or help others do you have anything that you're like is kind of on
1: your heart today yeah you know so we were we're touching on the the drivers and hopefully now we're you know we're a little bit into this and everybody's had plenty of time to go get that mirror out and if they're they're still in front of it or they're Gonna go get in front of it. I encourage you to get in front of it and really ask yourself, why am I doing this? You know, why am I in this business? And again, you don't want to stop with you don't want to stop with that first why. If it's just to make some extra money, if it's to start a career, but get deep. You know, Jen mentioned earlier that she got into it because she literally associated it with being life and death for her. And you're gonna know you're on the right track as soon as you start to feel yourself get emotional. And if you can hold a space in front of the mirror or you can make eye contact with yourself, and you can get to a why that brings tears to your eyes, not only are you on the right path, in the right place, but you will be finding within yourself to be wildly successful at it. Because whatever that is that produces the tears in your eyes, that's a driver for you. And if you could hold that thought, that image, that person, that idea, whatever that is that's bringing tears to your eyes, when you look at yourself in the mirror, if you could hold that space, if you hold on to that, put it in your brain, tattoo it in your brain, hold it into your heart, whenever you go and make calls, whenever you do presentations, whenever you reach out to prospects and you do it with that in mind, you will be amazed at how many of those no's turn into yeses, how fast mm-hmm. you can grow your business, how many people you're going to connect with, how many lives that you're going to be able to impact and change. Because, see, you already know the most. you already know the big thing. The products work. It's awesome. There's so much great value. You probably wouldn't be here if that wasn't the case. But what you need to do is you need to be able to get the conversions, get those people into your funnel, get them into your crew, get them on your team. And what's going to make you do that, it's going to compel you to make that extra call, it's going to compel you to change your nose to mix opportunities, is whatever it is in the mirror that brings those tears to your eyes. When you have that and you Hmm. hold on to that, you will be amazed at how not only your business will transform, but your life will too. That was good.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely good. And and thank you for that. Because we, you know, we get into this and everybody thinks, oh, it's going to be so easy. And really, it is truly easy, I believe. But I believe that once we, you know, when we're beginning this business, or whether people are listening, and they've been doing it a long time, you know, we're rolling and everything gets, it's, it's like, it's easy to say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to get my kit, I'm going to get started. And then, in the moments in between action, growing your business, all this junk in our head starts to like go and do its thing and create self-sabotage, even knowingly or unknowingly. And, you know, and like, like you said, go back and get reconnected to that and stay with that. And, and yeah, it's really good. Well, wow. This was such a good call. I knew that it would be, <laughs> I knew that it would be. This is so good. It was so, so good. So, um, I think that uh, the best thing would be for you guys to go to Jesse's website. Like I said, JesseBrizendine.com. Uh, I did. Put, I will put the link in the recording, um, and then you can connect with Jesse that way, or find him on Facebook, watch his, you know, TED Talk, anything like that. And I appreciate you so much for coming on today. Let me go ahead and open the line so people can say goodnight to you. Okay? Yeah, absolutely. All right, hang on. Thank you. Thank good night. You.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thank, you. Now. Thank you. It was a, it was a wonderful wonderful. Night, good night, everybody. Always oh, great. You are awesome.